Hello and welcome to The Stack. This week we celebrate 25 years of Rad Magazine. Plus, we head to Hydra for the new edition of the Hydra Book Club and their first annual journal. Enjoy the show. From Midori House in London, this is The Stack, 30 minutes of print industry analysis, and I am Fernando Augusto Pacheco. We start the show welcoming to our studio Sarah Tonchak, editor of Red Magazine. The title is celebrating 25 years with a special edition that is out now. Sarah tells me more about the history of Red. I do think it's unique in the market these days and I think a lot of that is because many of those other similar magazines have sort of fallen by the wayside. We are a lifestyle magazine so yes we have fashion and beauty and the sort of more traditional glossy magazine elements but then we also have homes and interiors and food and travel but also then things like careers, wellness, there's lots of much more kind of introspective, thoughtful, emotionally intuitive features. And then we even have things like finance. So we really try and be with our readers within every area of their lives. But to your point, I don't think we're necessarily aimed at a mature reader. Probably our core target reader is in her 40s. But actually what we've noticed is in the 25 years that Red has already been going, a lot of the readers that we had 25 years ago, we still have with the magazine now. And we've noticed that our readers don't necessarily kind of graduate from Red into a different title. They sort of stay with Red. And so I think Red is more of a ethos and a sort of way of living necessarily than a magazine that sees you through one portion of your life. And I feel quite sort of excited and privileged by that because I think there's something to the nuance with which we talk to our readers and the way we deal with different aspects of her life with her that means that she always stays with the magazine and it always feels relevant to her at whatever point of her life she's in at that moment. Sarah, you touched on such an interesting point, that nuance, because of course a magazine has to change, you know, for all sorts of reasons. But I feel some magazines, sometimes the change can be so fast that you might end up losing readers, you might gain some, but it, it's, it can be quite scary, actually, for the reader. We say, oh my God, is this the magazine that I've been reading all this year? So I think perhaps you do that job at Red quite well. You know, small changes, but keeping the core kind of market there as well, right? Thank you. Yeah, I do. I think that we have done that. I think when the magazine launched 25 years ago, it was launched with the idea that there was a gap in the market for this magazine that spoke to a woman about all areas of her life, but also that spoke to a specific kind of woman who had become more prevalent, which feels sort of funny on reflection now, because at the time it felt that there wasn't a magazine that spoke to a woman who had a career, had a family, was juggling these aspects of her life was as interested in making her home look beautiful as making her wardrobe look beautiful. So there wasn't a magazine that spoke to a woman about all these different things. And I think actually Red has endured because we still have that ethos. We still speak to her about these things. Maybe more women have come into that that space. And obviously there are more and more women who have family and relationships and careers and, and are juggling both those things at once. 
but we've still stayed on that journey with her. So although there have been challenges that have come and gone in her life, and we reflect that within the magazine, the essence of being a very connected magazine with our reader and being part of a conversation with her, I think that rather than being a aspirational magazine, we're a magazine that you can really connect with and you think, actually, this is a magazine that is for me, about me, to me, in the life that I'm in now, rather than some sort of lofty aspiration that you're never going to quite achieve. I think that's quite important to me. Well, tell us about the October issue. That's the special one, right? That's the one where the magazine is celebrating 25 years. What do we have in store? Can you go perhaps through a few highlights of the new issue? Yes, I can. I can. So... It was interesting when we were working on this 25th birthday issue because some of our sister titles in Hearst have had much bigger birthdays recently. I was talking to some of those other editors about whether we do retrospectives and and what that looks like. And I feel it's quite fun to look back at what has come in the past. And so we have a few features like that within the magazine. There's a really fun piece in the living section, which is interiors trends then and now. And we've seen how we've interpreted things like colour or how the idea of shabby chic, which was so big when Red launched, has kind of morphed into some maximalist cottagecore. I don't know. So that's a really fun piece, you know, a then and now idea. And also our our launch issue of Red had the model Carrie Otis on the cover, who at the time I think was dating Mickey Rourke when she was on that cover of Red. And we've actually interviewed her on our back page and kind of said where she is now in her life and what matters to her. So we've done some slightly retrospective pieces. Another one that we have been working on, which I found really, really interesting, is called Where Are We Now? And Laura Craik has reflected back on who our reader was 25 years ago and who she is now. And to the point I was making earlier, we realise that actually this woman really hasn't changed very much. You know, she still has the similar challenges. There are certain things like social media has kind of come into the mix that wasn't there before. But generally, she's working and she's running a house and looking after a family and keeping her relationship going and trying to find meaning in her life and a career that gives her value and purpose. But I found what was fun about that piece is at the time we were saying that this generation we were writing for was the first generation of 40-somethings that made being 40 look a little bit like being 20. You were much more modern and and much more relevant than perhaps 40-somethings used to be in the past. And the analogy that the editor that Launch Red used at the time said, they've got kids, but they still go and see Coldplay in concert, Mm. which I thought was really funny because obviously 25 years ago, seeing Coldplay in concert was... You know, very cool, and they were this new up and coming band. I think that woman probably still is going to see Coldplay in concert 25 years later. So I thought that actually not very much has changed. But that was a really interesting piece. And then the other piece that I'm super proud of that we have in the issue is called The Next 25. And we have spoken to 25 of our sort of most beloved contributors and women that we featured in the magazine over the past 25 years. Everyone from Michelle Obama to Bernadine Evaristo to Keely Hawes to Sharon Horgan to Skin. And we have asked each one of them to nominate their woman for the upcoming 25 years. Like who are they going to be the women who shape our future and and the ones we should be watching? So that's a really 
really special feature that was a huge amount of work to pull together, but that is our way of sort of looking to the future as well as honouring the past. I like that. And Sarah, I'm curious as well about the print digital. I mean, do you see the digital growing? Do you see still the resilience of print? How do you see the market for a magazine like Red? Or, or even if you want to give your thoughts about the publishing market in general? It's something that, if I'm honest, I think we've been slightly on the back foot of with the magazine. And I think we've got lots of upcoming changes in the business that are really exciting. And we have a new CEO who is incredible, Katie Vanek-Smith, and she's got lots of really, I'd say progressive, not even progressive ideas, just like really where we are and should be right now ideas of how we should be speaking to our reader and where we should be finding her. And I feel proud that Red still has a robust print readership. We're one of the magazines, touch wood, that people still like to buy. And I think part of that is because the woman we speak to has always grown up with magazines and so definitely has an engaged relationship and views a magazine as a time that she can sit back and read and take some time for herself and so I think magazines are very much part of her life but nevertheless obviously we know that everyone is far more engaged with digital than they are with print these days so I don't think the red has necessarily been there in the right place in that journey for her up until now, but we are coming together a bit more as a team and working out what that looks like going forward. And I know that, well, certainly for me, I think that our readers look to digital as a resource as much as anything else. I certainly want to go and find out where I should be booking a boutique hotel and what clothes I want to buy and what's the new serum I should be using and I want it in that kind of resource. So I'm hoping that for Red it looks like a kind of a, an address book of all the places and all the things you need to do is our digital aspect and then our print aspect is still long reads and beautiful, imaginative, inspiring fashion stories that go on for pages. And so I think that we can be both in both places. And newsletters is definitely something we're really looking at a lot more. And we have a lot more e-commerce focused newsletters as well as longer read newsletters that we're looking at. So I think it's about knowing who your reader is and being able to offer her what she wants in, on whatever platform she's using at that time. Please continue with your travel specials, okay? Because I, I really, <laughs> yes, like, I really like the, the travel coverage. And also, Sarah, just out of curiosity, because I know you're a writer as well, you, you know, you, you publish novels. Do you still have that interest in you? Do you still have new releases that you would like? Or, or I mean, you, you're ded fully dedicated to Red now? Um, I am definitely 100% dedicated to Red. Mm. I think that for myself personally, I love being able to speak to people in lots of different ways and on lots of different platforms as well. So I definitely have an engaged audience on my Instagram and that's really nice because they, I hope and I think, are there for me as well as the fact that I'm the editor of Red. And I think that there are lots of different ways that you can connect with people and actually I hope and I think that there's a fairy dust in the fact that I am my own person and people might know me and have engaged with things that I've created by myself and then also know me as the editor of Red and I think having a world that you kind of inhabit and you you speak to lots of different people in lots of different places is valuable and also is exciting. I don't think that any one of us just kind of focuses on, on one trajectory anymore. I think 
we're always scattering ourselves in lots of different places. Absolutely. And congratulations again, Sarah. A very special year, you know, for you and, and for Red Magazine as well. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you very much, Sarah. And the October edition of Red is out in the newsstands now. And we return to the island of Hydra here in the stack. To speak with the founder of the Hydra Book Club in the island is Josh Hickey. And the book club opens this weekend till the 22nd of October. And this year they released their very own journal as well, an annual edition of literature, criticism and image-challenging artists from Hydra, Greece and the world to confront aspects of a chosen theme. And for the first issue they chose the topic of utopia. For the project, Josh invited Philip Niedenthal, formerly of Vogue Poland, who launched the project in his new publishing venture, 77 Press. Let's hear it from Josh and Philip. We're entering the third year of the Hydra Book Club here in Hydra, Greece, in the Historical Archives Museum. And each year I try to add something new to keep people on their toes, to um, you know, maintain some relevance. And because Hydra is such a confluence place, and you and I spoke about this last year, you know, which is sort of when we talked about the origin of the literary scene here, People are coming to be together and to exchange, and there's a multitude of different artists that are coming here, or not even artists, but thinkers, writers, painters, gallery owners, all of these people are here to be with one another, and there's this really fruitful exchange. And so this year, with Philip, we have created the journal of the Hedra Book Club, which is art, literature, and image and it is a printed you know literary journal and we're very very happy to be launching that this weekend i mean it's all about print right so exciting that you you guys have like <laughs> your own print as well so that that's amazing philip tell us how did you get involved and i also want to know your connection perhaps with hydra i, I of course Josh is very closely connected to the island uh, and i wonder what's what has been your involvement with this well, my connection started, well, I'd been here before, but uh, three years ago, I was planning the last issue, the last cover that I was going to shoot for Vogue Poland as I was leaving. I knew I wanted uh, my very close friend, Malgosha Bela, to be on my last cover. She was on the first cover, along with Anya Rubik, and I knew she had to be on the last cover. And Malgosha has a house here on Hydra, so we decided to come here in, uh, I think it was April or May 2021. And with a very small crew, two photographers that we work with often at Vogue Poland, they work as a as a duo. And it was just Malgosha doing her own hair and makeup and styling herself. We had a few samples that were sent over from showrooms, but otherwise, uh, you know, it was all um, pretty much just the four of us. And we shot that story, we shot that cover, that was my last cover. And then uh, after I'd uh, sent that to print and suddenly found myself with a lot of time on my hands, I thought, well why not go back to Hydra and spend some time and kind of unwind after those four crazy years at Vogue. And that's when I met Josh on the very first day. Josh was just opening his the first edition of the Hydra Book Club that, uh, that September. I was here in late August. I missed that one, but I came back next year for, for the second one. And this year we decided to add something to that. And um, oh, and in the meantime, I had founded my own publishing house 
So Josh thought it might be a good idea if we did this journal together and, and had it printed in Poland. And, and we're actually waiting for it right now. So I think if people go there to, to Hydro in the next weeks, I think they'll be able to, to have a copy in their hands, right? Oh, yeah. Of course, yes. of course. That is and actually people who don't necessarily have the time to come to Hydra will be able to get their own copy in hand also online and, you know, through a, a pretty tight, small network of resellers. But generally this time the distribution will be handled, you know, just the two of us. And Josh, by the way, I find it so smart that you open more or less in September. I think this is such a great time in the summer to have an event like this. So tell us a bit why perhaps September and if you and if you agree with me, because I do think a lot of cool people are traveling September for some reason. You're, yeah, you're exactly right. <laughs> and I'm extremely happy to do this September and October. In the beginning, I was not because I think I didn't really understand, you know, and I was perhaps a little, let's say, greedy. You know, I wanted the whole season. You know, it's a missed opportunity. But, you know, as we now see with travel and the crowds and the heat, you know, it's, it's a difficult time to be in the Mediterranean. There's a lot of fires. It's overpopulated with tourists. There's a lot of challenging things happening. You know, come September, it's a little bit of a downshift. In my particular case, there's a lot more of the Athenians that come back. There's collectors that come back. The island population sort of shifts from, you know, let's get drunk and party to let's have a conversation, let's sit and read, let's linger around the table. So it's a maybe a, a better literary environment. Let's put it that way. However, I will say, you know, on the flip side of that, in only doing it in September and October, I do create a lot of frustration. Mm -hmm. And while I initially thought that was very sexy, you know, that I was the guy that somehow has the bookstore only open two months out of the year, you know, it creates an aura. However, there's a lot of people, you know, for example, a lot of friends of mine who have kids who are here on Hydra, they need to go back to where their kids are going to school, right? And so you do, I do kind of miss and exchange with a lot of other people. So in the future, we'll see, but I'm very happy for the time being, keeping it September and October. Well, every year there's a change. I mean, listen, we have a journal this year. I mean, that's that's yeah. that's a massive change. <laughs> I was going to ask perhaps, uh, Philip, tell us a, a bit more about the journal itself. It's quite hefty. Tell us what can people see inside. There's a lot of beautiful poetry. It's kind of an interaction of locals and foreigners, people that are not who are not from the island as well. Uh, explain to us a bit more about the journal. Well, you, you said it was hefty. It's definitely a lot heftier than we first planned. It grew to twice the size over the course of making it because we had so many amazing contributions from people, artists, uh, writers, uh, photographers from all over the world. Some of them are our friends, some of them are friends from here. Some of them are people that we reached out to because we thought they were a good fit for this for this issue, for the inaugural issue of the Journal of the Hydra Book Club, which is the Utopia issue. Yeah, and it was just, uh, it's a very personal project. Most of these people are people we know, people we admire, and uh, people we like to work with again. 
And Josh, you I remember last year when we spoke, you told me a bit more about the literary tradition from the island. And perhaps your project is kind of just continuing that as well. Uh, perhaps in, you know, in 20 years' time, we're going to be talking, mm. oh, there's also Josh Hickey who created yeah. this <laughs> as well, right? <laughs> Well, yeah, I would like to share your faith in me. That's, that's <laughs> I have nice. faith in you. I have faith in you. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think that, yes, that, that really played into it. It's like, what are, you know, how are we also sort of supporting the literary scene here? And how are we keeping it alive? You know, there there's still a lot of, let's say, writers, still active, let's say active writers, a lot of them young you know, there's a, an Arts Council funded poet, a young man from the UK, his name is Peter Thicket, that I met here. He was on an Arts Council grant. I met him here one year ago. He's writing spectacular poetry. We put him in the journal. You know, so there, there are people now that I feel perhaps would have been more easily or could have more easily fallen through the cracks or passed through Hydra without adhering to something now that there's the bookstore and the journal there's an extra place for them to express themselves or call us and say hi I'm a writer I'm in Hydra you know there's also people like Rachel Cusk who's here you know not all of the time but you know she has written here she has a relationship to here Chris Contos, who you probably know, who does Kennedy Magazine did a beautiful photo essay for a new ish book of hers called Marble and Metamorphosis. There's still so much coming from here. And I think that that will be, as you aptly say, a role of the journal it's for us to kind of glue these people together to some type of foundation so that the island of Hydra remains authentically literary as it has been for nearly 100 years. And I don't want people to get frustrated. No stack listeners. I don't want. I want them if they want to go to Hydra. I mean, it's open until late October. Is that correct? That's right. The book club is open until the twenty second of October. You know, the cultural season. Let's say because I'm not the only person here doing things. Mm. Obviously, you know, there's great contemporary art. There's great culture on this island, and you know, generally everything is open until the thirty first of October. So. It's a great way to visit Greece, visit an island, and, you know, really nourish yourself with some exceptional culture. I think that's what set Hydra apart from not only other islands in Greece, but really, you know, kind of anywhere in the world. Amazing. And Philip, I just want to hear more about your new publishing ventures, or 77 Press. Mm-hmm. Of course, the Journal of the Hydra Book Club is part of that as well. But tell us, when did you actually found that publishing venture? Well, I've, I've had this idea for a long time, and I always told myself, one day I'll open my own publishing house, I'll have my own little publishing house. It was during lockdown in back in Poland. I just decided that day that I would be finishing my involvement with Vogue and and doing this project that I'd always thought I'd like to do, but never thought I'd actually do. Yeah, then it took a while before, I mean, I I wanted some time to, you know, to to gather my thoughts after leaving Vogue. And uh, it was about a year, over a year before I actually published anything. The first book was a photography book with my (laughs) <laughs> photos taken by my father who is a, a photojournalist he used to be a correspondent for Newsweek and then Time in Eastern Europe and 
And I discovered that he had a lot of uh, images from the 70s when he first came to, to Poland. His parents, my grandparents, are Polish, but he was born in London. And he only started coming to, to Poland in the late 60s, early 70s, and finally ended up settling there and meeting my mother and having me. Uh, so I discovered that he had all these unpublished photos that he had taken for himself as a young photographer, just discovering Poland, really, and discovering his own uh, interests and his talent. And they'd never seen the light of day. So um, I thought it'd be a good idea to publish those. And uh, that was the first book. The second book was a book with paintings by the Polish artist Agata Bogatska. She's enjoying a, a resurgence in Poland right now. And this is a collection of her work from 2016 and to 2022. So that's a book of paintings. And then... Um, the third book is the third project is something I'm doing with again with Margosia Bella, whom I've known for almost 25 years. And she this year will be celebrating 25 years as a model. And I thought that would be a perfect opportunity to gather all these, collect all these images that had been taken of her by photographers such as Richard Avedon, Stephen Meisel, Peter Lindbergh, Paolo Reversi, Inez and Vinod, uh, Tim Walker, Jürgen Teller, David Sims, Mario Sorrenti. I mean, the list goes on and on. And she's, she has an amazing body of work. She was very reluctant to do it, but I kind of twisted her arm. And uh, that book comes out on September 27th. We're launching in Paris during Paris Fashion Week. And then suddenly, while I was printing that book, Josh and I had this idea to create this journal. So that's coming out right now. We're still waiting to receive it from Poland. It's being FedExed as we speak. And so, yeah, so that actually turned out to be my third project as a publisher. But yes, yeah, so th that's what I've been doing since I started. But incidentally and non-coincidentally, <laughs> Melgo Shabella is in the first issue of the Journal of the Hedra Book Club because what I think Philip did not mention is that the book that he's publishing from, with Melgosha is also written by her. Yes. And she's written very personal, very touching accounts of moments in her career. And a lot of those were from a column or it, that she had in the book and, and so she's written something specially for us, and it's accompanied by a poem by Cheshwap Miłosz, who's a Nobel Prize laureate. So yeah, I think that makes, you, you know, there's this sort of, the synchronicity that yeah. we have here with, you know, with the island, with people creating on the island and making that happen in unison. It's, it's a really nice feeling. That's all very exciting. Uh, listen, Josh and Philip, thank you so much for talking to me again. Thank you. Thank you very much, Josh and Philip. Hydra Book Club is open now and their journal is also out. Do check out their Instagram page. And that's it for this week's show. My thanks to our editor, Jack Jewers. If you have any comments or queries, feel free to write to me, Fernando, at fpnmonaco.com. And remember, we're back next Saturday at 10 a.m. London time. Meanwhile, subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And before we go, a little song for you. Helen Reddy. I am woman. You've been listening to The Stack. I'm Fernando Augusto Pacheco. Until next time, it's goodbye from me.